2: You are listening to Mist Apex Podcast. We live F1. You are listening to Mist Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Checo might have been wrong, but he's first. That from Eric Gados on Twitter. The runner-up was Nicholas, who suggested, Who can crash the slowest? and also Ian Lapworth chipped in with Perez wins provide opportunity for rare Christian Horner interview. And I have to include this one because Chris insisted Aaron came in with when it's singer rains, it's Singapore's. I'm your host, Richard Reddy. Welcome to the Singapore Grand Prix race review. I think that race was a slow burner. I enjoyed my afternoon watching television today. It was a race with Some intrigue, some tactical will they, won't they. And in an era where we're used to seeing the fast guys just fly towards the front to be able to breeze by because we've got all the easy overtaking that we wanted, it was nice to see a race where Max Verstappen had to work for every single place, just like the olden days. That said, I'm not going to overly defend the Singapore Grand Prix, but I did enjoy the race today. What we saw today was an error generator of a Grand Prix and a track. And even the best on the grid were tested and made mistakes. You'd be hard-pushed to find a driver that wasn't on the limit today, and I think that's kind of neat. So coming up today, we'll ask, was this the best ever Singapore Grand Prix? That bar being as low or high as you would wish to rate it. Does this race prove once and for all that Matt is wrong and Perez is better than Albon? And we'll ask whose hair was best cut out for the post-race humidity, and are the stewards taking the test after seeing the answers? And we'll also ask, did Albon just have the worst crash since Taki Inui? But first, I'll remind you that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed. With the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. (music) I'm joined in the shed by Matt to Rumpers. Hey, Matt.
3: Hey, today I learned that Sergio Perez has no idea whatsoever what 10 car lengths look like. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're also joined by
4: Chris Stevens. Hey, Chris. Hey, Spanners. I'm very self-conscious about the fact that I'm not wearing my Missed Apex t-shirt tonight. <gasps> How dare you? Why aren't you in uniform? Because I forgot about it.
2: Does it not fit anymore, Chris? Do I need to send you well, a new one? Well, there's that as well, but you can only see this much <laughs> the on the live part, stream, yeah, so yeah. it doesn't matter. It's a very forgiving camera angle. And we're also joined by Kyle Powers. Hey, Kyle. <laughs> Looks a bit damp outside. Can we uh, delay the start of the show for an hour? We can't delay the show because we have to ask a very, very important question, which is, Chris, is this, was this the best ever Singapore Grand Prix... I'm going to say yes, because the only other Singapore Grand Prix that I can think of that comes to light is the 2017 one, where, as we know, Verstappen wiped out ruthlessly both Ferrari cars. And I don't need to debate that, because that is a statement of fact.
4: Yes, exactly. No debate about that (laughs) whatsoever. That's what the Ferrari Um,
2: account said at the time, by
4: the way. I mean, I think it had a lot of peaks and troughs. Um, I think we sort of got to about lap 12, and they called it out. And I I thought, God, we only on... And on lap twelve, it's going to take forever. <laughs> and then I blinked, and suddenly they were like, "We've been going for an hour and forty minutes. There's only a few left of the the race." And so, uh, I think it was right up there. Um, but I do think there were probably some better races. I always think twenty twelve. I can't really remember what happened, much in, about what happened in the twenty twelve Singapore Grand Prix. But every race in twenty twelve was amazing. So it must have been right up there.
2: Uh, Kyle I mean I have such low expectations of this race in general so you know a a kind of a drying track it it did make it better that's to me that was the least bad Singapore Grand Prix I can remember when it comes to just you know lap after lap there was I I felt like watching on the onboards I got a real sense of kind of peril and cars chasing and opportunities to overtake
5: yes it was certainly tense there was it was very dramatic even if there wasn't uh and a, a litany of overtakes but i kind of uh, agree we've kind of set the bar pretty low for excitement if like you know, contextualizes in loads of overtakes we kind of set the bar pretty low in singapore for that but i thought it was a very sort of um, a tense race and i really really enjoyed it what would have made it much much better is if we had an additional transition point from full wets to the inters then from the inters to the dry which we never actually got treated to which was a shame
4: I thought the lead battle was stunning. Really, really enjoyed that. It sort of persisted throughout the race. And the the gaps sort of grew and shrunk uh, a little bit. But the best 10 minutes of that race was just after they'd gone to Slicks and Leclerc was chasing down uh, Sergio Perez. And that, for me, was kind of peak F1
5: yeah and but unfortunately we kind of almost got stymied a little bit again and this seems to happen every time by the safety car it was just as the uh transition <laughs> points was mm. sort of happening and we could have seen the people um i think as you mentioned in group chat earlier it's a bit like the f2 race where the people would have had some heat into their slicks versus the people who come out and went one lap longer so that would would have been really interesting to see how that played out but unfortunately we were denied
2: uh yeah Oh Matt
3: Yeah, I was just going to go with, um, aside from the entertaining crashes and exploding Alpines, the race was (laughs) quite frankly dull until the pit stops started. So I tend to agree with Kyle. It's a shame we didn't have conditions that necessitated a second round of pit stops in this race.
2: Are we so spoiled that we are not satisfied with a dramatic conclusion and lots of events throughout the race? I think if you look at the top four, even the top five, so... Uh, you know, uh, Perez, Leclerc, Signs, Hamilton behind, and then uh, N- Norris, like, a further step behind. I guess they were static throughout all of that first period. But, but what, uh, are we not, uh, do we not appreciate the tactics enough, Matt, to go, well, what will Hamilton do here? Where's Leclerc's opportunity? Why did Perez suddenly go ahead? And then we had, like, 85 cars go out. Well, I think what became very
3: obvious after the uh, second virtual safety car is that, Everyone was, and they even played the team radio. Everyone was simply playing a game of make these enters last as long as possible. So, at least for me, at that point, I knew that there was going to be no overtaking. Mm. Everyone (laughs) was just simply going to try and hold on to the tires, and only mistakes would shake up the order. What
2: we needed was someone to to do something different that would have shaken up the order. So, had someone gone, right, I'm going to go to new enters, and then suddenly they were uh, three seconds a lap faster, then that would have been great. But... Actually, there wasn't enough wet on the track to make the Inters work. You, you know, you'd have to cool them down. The Inters didn't have to clear a lot of moisture. And then finally, when Russell went, all right, whatever, I'll go and give it a go on the slicks, Like it cleared, he lost 25 seconds in two laps. It got warmed up, and he was kind of there or thereabouts. And it wasn't until nearly the point of the safety car where he had one fastest sector. But yeah, Kyle, it, it, just, it needed something to work. And I think... There was just a unique set of circumstances that meant, no, plodding around on your old inters happened to be the right thing. Yeah. And
5: uh, um, as was pointed out during the race, I think they were all terrified of what happened in Turkey a couple of years ago with burning up new inters and just graining them where the old ones were, were better. Now, Lewis did actually say we think there was a bit of an argument of him wanting to start on older inters which may have helped with getting temperature into them or using them, which I found quite tricky. But yeah, it was slightly missing something. And also, I think what contributed to that was the massive field spread after the restarts. So we've got this ginormous field spread. And I think that was, in some way... The cars, for some reason, this it's the first time we've seen it with this regulation of cars. They seemed worse following on this sort of street circuit than the older generation did. The field spread after the safety car restarts I found was amazing. There was like multiple seconds gap between cars. And I think this is... Because these cars are very stiff and clumsy. It's like sumo wrestlers turning up to perform ballet, and then the ballet's actually on ice with these overweight and stiff cars. So everyone's being super cautious and they're not actually running that closely together. So I think that kind of hindered
2: some of the action a little bit. There you go, Chris. That's your first social media clip. <laughs> yeah,
4: we'll be posting that one on uh on Monday. No, I um I, I think the wet weather contributed that because i think you saw as soon as it got onto slicks everything kind of tightened up a little bit and i think what we see in the wet as well is that you know in the dry maybe there's a few tenths of a second between the best and the worst driver in the field in the wet that multiplies and you see the the likes of well normally in wet races we're talking about hamilton verstappen alonso uh you know these true kings of of formula one who were amazing in the wet kobayashi and then uh, 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 yeah sure man yeah whatever um (laughs) yeah i I think that contributed to it slightly
3: (laughs) yeah well i just to follow up on kyle's point i think the primary driver of that difference here will be the the lack of traction the concertina effect and the fact that the cars are so much more stiffly sprung means that you're just not going to have the same kind of compliance under traction that you would get with the older much more complex hydraulic suspensions
5: yes i agree and the stiffly sprung thing i think is the major thing here because we've lost a lot of the sidewall the compliance and a lot of the nice as you mentioned a nice suspension trick so everybody as we saw during the race in some quite humorous examples of if you just snatch a brake that's it you are a one-way ticket to um carbon fibersville
2: So you want us to get straight to the action, do you? I suppose you want us to talk about Perez holding off Leclerc for a a victory, his fourth victory in Formula One. You want to talk about Verstappen coming through the field? You want to speak about Hamilton and that squandered potential in this race? No. Like the Singapore Grand Prix, this is also a slow burner. And I do just want to talk about the start because F1's attitude to wet starts is is really different. And the thing that perplexed me the most was not that they took a decision to delay the start because I, I can understand that. If, the, if you feel like the conditions aren't going to be suitable for safe racing, I, I'm with you. And look, Spa last year, it wasn't great, but it was really chucking it down. 2014 Suzuka is still ringing around in a lot of our heads. So no one here is against safety. What I am against is that when they finally decided it was worth getting going, they then launched into the whole pre race routine. So the celebrities had to come out, they had to do the, the national anthem, they, they had to do the grid walks, which is all fantastic. But they could have just done all of that whilst it was raining. Because umbrellas exist. They could have done grid walks, they could have had a, a gazebo thrown up. I've done that before and I'm just one dude. I've thrown up a gazebo at the last minute to deal with the rain, Chris. Why mm. did we have to delay? Why couldn't have we just done all of that bump and then gone, right, we're ready to go? As soon as the weather breaks, let's race. So I agree with
4: you in principle. The only problem is you can't have the cars on the grid uh, because getting them to the grid involves putting them on the track and they have to be driven around there. And obviously the track was not in a state to be driven on. You could, if you really, really wanted to be finicky about it, was just push them into uh, into the grid slot. Wow. And then, but I do agree the cars should have been ready to go straight away and we didn't have to faff with so much of this stuff they say oh we're we're going to get going and then we spend another half an hour looking at cars and garages
2: uh, matt what yes. are young drivers for if not to take absurdly dangerous risks pre-race when you'd want to protect your drivers
3: well uh, my thing is maybe we should look at the actual procedures involved and say is there fact that can be trimmed in the event we would like to get started sooner
5: absolutely if i could just butt in there yeah um i was gonna say they do this in motor gp they have what's something called a short start procedure so when it's been when it's been um sort of interrupted by rain they go right the short start procedure okay you've only got two minutes to get out the pit lane or like three minutes obviously that wouldn't work with f1 but they could have this short start procedure they didn't need the full hour procedure to run through the motions because by the time they started we'd missed the wet tires we're already on to intermediate, So they could have said, okay, it's rain affected. We have a short start procedure. You have 30 minutes to get out the pit lane and get on the grid, and then we're going. That's it. But none of this is legislated for or or put in the rules, so the teams don't know what to expect. If that was, they could just trigger this procedure, and it would cure a lot of these problems.
4: With uh, W Series, the day before, I think it was, their qualifying was held in horrendous conditions, but much, much worse than what we saw, uh, you know, either in quality or definitely during the race. So now I know those are Formula three spec level cars and the spray off them is not quite as bad. But I think there is definitely room to have the cars out on track a bit earlier.
3: So not surprisingly, I actually went and looked at the start procedures in the rules. Ooh, you read things. I did read things and they allot 10 minutes for reconnaissance laps. Mm hmm. Then then they close the pit lane for 20 minutes for apparently ordering pizza, maybe. I don't really know. Then at 10 minutes, they start to kick people off the grid. So as far as I can tell, you could easily half that time just by getting rid of those middle 20 minutes when you just are letting celebrities wander around and stare at things.
4: And um, there's a comment in our live chat room Hey, slackers. Yeah, 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 hello, hello slackers. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're, they're asking, you know, is it an issue of the uh, the medical he- helicopter not being able um, to fly? No, that is purely, uh, a, you know, a, a, can that helicopter get in the air? And, uh, you know, it, Spa last mm-hmm. year, for example, was definitely not an issue and wasn't an issue here because cars would have never even left the garage if that was the case.
2: All right. Let's get to the action. This is the part where I like to ask Matt, where was that race won, and where was that race lost? Okay, Matt. So, oh, sorry. I was going to introduce it with like a like some fluff. No, no, no. Roll on. Fluff me. Fluff me,
3: baby. Fluff me.
2: All right. You made it weird. I don't want to do that anymore. Tell me where the race was won and lost.
3: Okay, fine. It was one, I think at the moment, Charles Leclerc off the start, hit that puddle, got wheel spin, and Perez took the lead.
2: Explain, explain, explain.
3: Wheel spin puddle, what? Well, according to Benato, off the start, he got a good start, but in the second phase of acceleration, he encountered standing water. He didn't call it a puddle. And Leclerc picked up wheel spin, which is what allowed Perez to so easily
2: overtake him into turn one. So Leclerc was on the inside outside, was on the outside. Uh, Leclerc was on the outside and had Hamilton behind and then had Alonso behind. It was my 12-year-old actually pointed out, looking at the live timings, he said, oh, hang on a minute, every other car at the front of the pack, Chris, lost a a position. So maybe it wasn't just Leclerc.
4: No, so pole position is always on the racing line, which in the case of Singapore is on the right-hand side, of the grid in the wet, everyone tends to start in second gear anyway because yeah. otherwise they would probably just spin as soon as the lights uh, went out. And they're really short shifting through the gears to null the power so they can just get away. Um, but w- what we have uh, in, in in racing is there's a there's a, a wet line, a carting line which is normally off the traditional racing line, which is normally very clean and, and shiny, but you put a bit of water on top of that it gets super slippery. So you want to be where yeah. all the, the dirt and the rubbish and the debris is yeah. off the racing line, which would have been the left-hand side of the grid, which
2: just so happened to all get better starts than everyone on the right-hand side of the grid. So just to clear that up quickly, Kyle, see if I've got this understanding right, is where you've laid down race rubber, what you're doing is you're effectively, you're taking away the porous nature of the track's ability to get rid of water. So you don't want to be on the part which is normally the best grip, you want to be on the part that doesn't have rubber on it so that the water goes away so that you can get some contact on the concrete.
5: Yes, it's pretty much exactly that uh, you're changing the permeability of the track. So um yeah, it's less it's less porous but also with the uh it's not just the rubber being laid in, you also take the edge off the actual stones, the actual the core of the actual track and it actually becomes more polished. So ah. then it becomes more slippery as well. So, yes, a combination of all of them. And we actually saw this in 2017 as well with the pile up at the start. It's because <laughs> Vettel on the right-hand side on pole got a really bad start and went for the insta chop. Oh,
2: so it's happened before. Yeah, so, so it happened in 2017, the last uh, wet race there. Nice, nice. Matt, sorry, continue with where the race was won and lost. Pud- you, and, uh, you, you basically got as far as puddle and fluffing and then I've interrupted you. I'm so sorry. Well, that's
3: okay. I, I take it as a compliment that I have accurately identified an important point in the race for everyone there to talk about. Okay. As far as where the race was lost, yeah, I'm going to have to go that moment that Leclerc locked up on lap 49, chasing Perez. He'd been putting such immense pressure on the Red Bull driver, and it was a fantastic duel. I mean, I, w- I was I was almost shaking watching it. It was just so tight, and wondering if he would get a run. Then he locks up, and from that moment on, he lost almost eight seconds in mm. um, eight laps. Yeah, unbelievable. I think there were a couple of opportunities
4: for Charles Leclerc to win this race. The first one was keeping Perez at bay off the line. Obviously, it didn't work. And then the second one was when his car just sort of seemed to come alive right after the um safety car restart when yes, they just yeah. gone on to slicks and Perez was struggling a little bit uh with uh with his brakes he was locking up with a his little engine bit more as well. with, yeah. and uh, yet yeah, the drivability mm. he was talking about as well which i think was just an engine um setting so uh, leclerc had an opportunity then to pounce and he had to just be so precise because when you're racing on a drying track you've got a very narrow dry line and as soon as you get onto the the damp part of the track you lose all that tire temperature and you can fly off the racetrack and we saw so many drivers Mm. fall into that trap and the just need to be so neat and tidy and just wait for one small opportunity but unfortunately he was the one who ended up
3: making uh, the mistake more than once yeah and then there are those who might say that the race was really won In the steward's office afterwards.
2: Oh, Mm. boo. Okay. (laughs) We have definitely laid the groundwork here for some topics. I'm not ready to answer the safety car questions yet. And and I won't pretend to be neutral. I won't pretend to be uh, impartial when it comes to Sergio Perez, because when you follow a midfield driver, Matt, the rewards they come they're few and far between and when your favorite midfield driver becomes number two to the reigning world champion in a team notorious for favoring their number one you've got to enjoy these moments haven't you
3: yeah you do and uh, nothing away from perez aside from the legalities of it all he won that race it was a genuinely brilliant drive from him in conditions that yeah, that were
2: challenging for people who were multiple world champions. Let's just say it. Do you remember when Ocon? When did Ocon win a race? What race was that? Hungary, Hungaro Ring last year. Yeah, yeah, last year. And uh, do you remember I I WhatsApped you as the race was finishing, simply because. I just wanted to see how you were taking it. And I just watched like your your joy building as it got over the line and it was just wonderful to watch. My reaction to Perez winning, slightly different, my twelve year old hid under a blanket by the time by the time the rest <laughs> finished and, and he poked his head out and he went, Dad, is it over yet? Is it over yet? Oh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. It's over. Chris <laughs>
4: That's so that's so sweet. Now the um I I have to say this because Perez this was easily his best win in in Formula One, uh, and even if it there is a you know maybe a, a tiny amount of controversy about it because of this um, safety card ten lengths no, there isn't. thing, no, but I, it was one hundred percent his his best win. The day where he had a world class drive, and on a day where you could compare him to Schumacher, to Hamilton, or to you know anyone, if you saw more days like that, he would be. You know, a championship contender, but they're not there every single day. But easily, easily his best win in Formula One.
5: I completely agree. This is his first sort of full merit win. If that sounds maybe that's a bit harsh. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but there was no accentuating circumstances. There was no safe there was no like crazy safety cars. He made a gamble. He wasn't sort of inherited the lead or anything. He absolutely nailed it from the start. He barely put a foot wrong and he soaked up intense pressure from Leclerc it was very 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 impressive what
2: about when he defeated the mighty Lance Stroll at Istanbul and Stroll was leading that race and he usurped him because he deliberately made Stroll have a mysterious front wing problem Uh, no um okay look I I I think that there's some of the Verstappen uh, some of the Verstappen some of the Perez wins were better than this but like you look at Monaco this season and you go okay that was kind of gifted but like Today as well, there was a bit of luck because Verstappen had the problems in qualifying that put him to the back. Even as a Perez fan, I do appreciate that there was quite a few extenuating circumstances that made him lead to this win. So if it was a track where overtaking was significantly easier, I think like on raw performance, Leclerc probably had it today. If there was a little bit more room for overtaking, Verstappen was going to get pole over Perez had he not had that issue with fuel. But when it came to the execution and the defending and the car placement and the keeping it calm and, and overcoming problems, uh, yeah, I think you can't deny that that is you know a good race win. But also just as a little footnote, Kyle, there have been lots of times where there, there was a win that was to be his that got taken away or, or given to someone else where he raced better. And I've seen better Perez performances. I just don't want to over-egg it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> well well that was actually going to be my point because I think we could have seen this performance in Jeddah at the start of the year when he looked and he got completely Spain utterly stitched up by the um by the safety car. I don't think Spain, I think Spain he was a it was gone already, but no, in Jeddah we would have up. seen it. Another another street circuit, and he put in such a yeah. I think it was a safety car. Was really unlucky to him this time. So I yeah. think this is the performance we would have seen earlier in the year. And what that would have done with his confidence, nobody can say. But yeah. it was mightily impressive. And to, I, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't sitting there thinking, right, the mistake is coming soon. It's going to come soon, and it's going to come soon because he was under so much pressure, and it was so tricky. He was having to push so hard, particularly when he's having the drivability problems, having Larry sort of squirrely moments on the out. Getting out the corners, I'm just like right. The next couple of corners, he's he's going to stuff it into the wall, and he didn't. And then just to test, like testament to his pace, he absolutely when he got given full Wang mode at the end and said you have to go away, like you actually have to full bananas. He absolutely like romped away from Leclerc. So yeah, I think he had Leclerc covered on pace throughout the race. To be honest.
2: Okay, if Hugh Bird comes on the radio and (laughs) goes, "Okay, Checo, it's time for full Wang mode," we will know for sure that he listens in to Miss Apex podcast. I think uh, that, that's sort of a shameful thing, shameful secret of a Perez fan, Chris, is that, as Kyle says, I was starting to suspect that Perez might be a little bit of a street circuit specialist. And as a Perez fan who hates all street circuits, that was it's like a little, you know, let's not, let's not say that out too loud.
4: You're going to have to come around eventually. Yeah. But that call to pull the five second gap won them the race as well. Sure. They had the uh, to do wow. that. On a on a on a weekend where Red Bull made their first major blunder of the season with Verstappen in qualifying,
2: they absolutely mm. made the right call. Okay, so we're gonna have to go to the safety car penalty. The, should it have been a been a penalty? Should it have been a harsher penalty? Me and Kyle disagree. So here's here's how it's going to work. Matt, I would like you to detail the situation uh, and the penalty that came about. We will give Kyle the opportunity to be wrong, and then I'll correct him. I think that's how it will work the best.
3: Okay, well, as we all know, there were not one, but count them two penalties assessed against Perez for safety car violations In the first safety car period, because I like to go in chronological order occasionally, he fell more than 10 links behind the safety car while its lights were illuminated, and When I say more than 10 car lengths, I don't mean, like, 10.3. I mean, like, it's five corners ahead kind of (laughs) distance behind. So much so that Lewis Hamilton radioed the team and said, whoa, dudes, what's up with
2: that? Reckless driving by the safety car, Chris. But Mylander (laughs) needs to be stopped. He should be the one getting a reprimand. Why is he going so fast?
4: Well, I think what we need to also just clarify as well, is that this is not on a restart. This is in the middle of the safety car period. Obviously, once those lights go out and you see the race Mm -hmm. leader back everyone up, that is all part of the system. That's what you're meant to do. This was in the middle of the safety car period when they should be following it closely.
3: Chris annoyingly makes the correct point that the 10 length rule is for when the safety car lights are illuminated. Once they go out, the driver leading the pack, becomes the de facto safety car and is in charge of the restart once they pass whatever the first safety car line, I forget what it is, or the safety cars in the pits. But we have him far behind, dead to rights, called into the steward's office, and defending himself with the following information. My brakes were cold and it was wet, so I couldn't keep up with the safety car.
2: Oh, mate, I've definitely used that excuse, skipping a traffic light. Okay, Kyle, you are of the opinion that Sergio Perez is kind of lucky to get away with that. Please, make the case for the prosecution. Mm. Well...
5: I didn't say I wanted him to get a penalty. I just think he's said- a very,
2: very, very lucky boy that he <laughs> didn't. Because I thought
5: from, from when I saw it, when they replayed it just shortly after the race, I was like, that is an absolute slam dunk. Because it wasn't, you know, I'd argue if it was slightly on the fringe and it was slightly tight, okay. But the first one, he was miles by, yeah, he couldn't even see the safety car. It was miles, miles ahead. And he used that opportunity to absolutely, you know, push really hard in the next couple of corners to get some heat into the tires. That's exactly why they do it. It wasn't an accident. And then the second one through the final sector, which is when he also said in his defence that it was wet in the final sector and I was uh, really struggling. This is when he was on slicks. He fell really far behind it and then absolutely as again I'll say again he went full wang through through the final full corner. Full wang it to get to get yeah to get loads of um heat into his tyres. So it was very, very intentional and what adds to it, even worse, he was warned on the first one. Uh, race direction warned him. Then they did it twice, apparently. So Matt said to me, they mm. warned him twice and then they did it again. So the fact that he's been, they've said, yeah, you're guilty, but we're only going to penalize you for one. And also it happened so early in the race that mm. they could have applied that five second penalty oh. in the race and they should have done, which would have had a drastic effect on the result. I think because he would have had to apply that at the pit stop. So yeah, I think he is incredibly, incredibly lucky to get away with only a reprimand and a five-second penalty.
2: One thing's for sure, Matt is that Full Wang has now joined the cherry hook of Miss Apex nomenclature.
3: Yeah, Full Wang is the cherry hook of Miss Apex might be. nomenclature.
2: In, in a way, maybe, maybe you and I are the cherry hook uh, in the Full Wangness of all Miss Apexness.
3: Yes, indeed. So, if I may clarify before you uh, rise to the defence <laughs> okay. of Chaco, I've
2: got a list. Uh, in I've the got a first list.
3: incident, there was one case where he was that far behind and that was the one where he received the reprimand for the second safety car period he was warned by the race director for being too far behind yeah, first yeah. yeah and then subsequently dinged again before the safety car came in for uh letting it go far 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 away from him and if i may a personal note i do agree with kyle that these decisions would have been much better rendered during the race Oof. rather than post-race. But that's a personal note. All right, we'll get time there. for don't defense. We'll
4: Let's get there. Hear it. We'll get no, that. No, no. Chris, Chris uh, first. 1,000% that should have been investigated in the middle of the race. It didn't even like start being investigated until way, uh, way later. I guess when the third offense finally happened, but it, it should have happened sooner. Um, what I don't like about it is that it's a safety matter, which we all take very seriously. The gap creates, you know, two pockets of cars when there should only be one. The reason, the whole reason of the safety car is to get the field together so that if marshals are on the racetrack, they have a nice big window to get the job done before the cars come back round and they maybe have to take shelter again in, just in case someone goes off. What it also did was that it meant he was practically speeding under the safety car to catch it back up again when he should have been right behind it, and therefore increasing the odds of everyone going off in very difficult conditions. Why are we not taking a a, a more serious stance against this?
2: All right, I've been patient there. I've listened to all of you speak, which is, you know, against a lot of the YouTube comments, are always saying, like, you need to interrupt your panel more. You need to get on top of them. You need to cut them off when they're wrong and give them your opinion, Spanners. Okay, so... You're absolutely right. We need to get those decisions. We we need to get those decisions made in race. Every other sport, cricket, football, NFL, lacrosse, they've all got like a video screen and they've got one person whose job it is to look at the video and go, yeah, I reckon, I reckon they're out. Yeah, that was LBW. That was a good catch. That was great kickball, presumably, they say in NFL. Get one person who's the referee. That's different to a steward. A steward might deal with, I don't know, discipline issues or a race control deals with the good running of the race. But there's no reason to not have an umpire, one referee, a video referee. And you go, right, we're referring that specifically to the video referee. That video referee today would have had 40 minutes to make the decision. And you just go, okay, tell you what, that's your decision. Unless any other decisions come in, don't watch the rest of the race because you only need to watch the specific incidents that we're going to give you evidence for, and then make a call. That happens in every sport. Make a call. There's no need for these decisions to go, oh, it's going to wait until the end of the race or the end of the budget cap review. Just make the decisions there and then. Um, But, okay, why is Kyle wrong? That's interesting. So, firstly, the 10 car length rule. That's a little bit wishy-washy. They may as well say, oh, it's 42 hands long. Oh, it's, it's, it's eight horse tails. It's, it's, the wording of that rule says to me, it's not really a precise number. It's more of a guideline. So can we just chill out and have no more of this? Perez shouldn't have won this race. Talk, Kyle. Secondly, there is precedent for this. In that, I don't remember any time that anyone got anything more than a warning for dropping more than 10 cars behind. And I don't want to hear evidence to think, oh, you've got examples, haven't you? Gosh, damn it. Okay, so the my lastly in my defense is, well, I think if you can name an example, I'm wrong. Go on then, Kyle. Name an example.
5: Uh, Vettel in 2010 in Hungary. And that wasn't even the safety car. That was behind his own teammate. But the rule states behind ah, another car. Ah, so not or behind the saf- safety no, car. No, uh, no, incorrect no challenge. it's the same rule. It's the same rule. And it, and it also states in the rule, the regulation that it's behind the safety car or the next car in the... In the line Vettel got penalised. he got a drive-through and I believe Hamilton also got a drive-through penalty for it in Valencia the same year so it's happened twice and they've both been slam dunk drive-throughs the,
4: the reason you can't remember an example of it Spanish is because it hasn't happened in in oh, ages because okay. it's a stupid rule it's <laughs> a <to> breach <laughs> it I know a it's a bit rule. vague you're right it's a stupid rule let's leave it there I know it's a bit vague but there was very clearly more <laughs> than 10 car lengths Okay. There. What it is, is don't fall too far behind the safety car. Don't take the mick with it, because it was ridiculous. It okay, was okay. well, well beyond.
2: My final thing that I think was bad about this is the fact that it the decision was made afterwards. Yes, you're right. Uh, there, there could be a mechanism to do it in the race. But what that meant was the stewards could check and see the outcome of the race. So if Perez makes a five-point gap, which he did it makes it very easy for the stewards. They could either do a a warning and a five-second penalty like they did. They could do just a warning and it makes no difference whatsoever. They don't have to actively affect the outcome of the race. If that gap had been less than five seconds, I'm going to call it now. Had that gap been 4.9 seconds, I think there is no five-second penalty. I think that is a strongly worded reprimand and nothing more. These decisions have to be made before the consequences are known.
4: I love the defensive. I don't remember murdering that guy, so I didn't do it. (laughs) Matt.
3: Yeah, well, I actually agree with you regarding the decisions. I mean, we all accept there can be circumstances where decisions have to be made post-race. If it happens on the last lap, you're not going to get a decision. But for something like that, that happened twice and early on, there is no excuse to put it off till the end of the race, except for we might be concerned about about the consequences on, on the raising order as it exists right now. And regarding your defense, the thing that I would like you to speak to is the fact that it happened twice. I could accept a reprimand for the first time, but the fact that there was a warning mm. the second time and then it happened again makes me think that it was intentional all along. And I don't like that personally.
5: I think it... Um... Yeah, whether it was intentional or not, that's the thing. So um it wasn't as if it was marginal. And as I said, if it was just slightly marginal and it'd slightly dropped back and was probably truthful to his explanation, which was complete codswallop, I think, by the way, if you listen, if you actually read it, it's just like that's absolute <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> um absolute nonsense. Um yeah, if it was marginal, it would be fair enough, let them go, let that side, because it is a bit silly. And as Spanners rightfully points out, it's a bit woolly, the 10 car lengths. I mean, you could actually extrapolate it and actually look <laughs> at it and measure it. You could do that, but it's hard to say a time, you 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 can't count it in time because the yeah. time will be variable of how fast the safety car is. So you have to do it on slightly woolly 10 car lengths, but it's pretty obvious and visual. The fact that this was done and it was so blatant, both sort of times and yeah I don't think they gained a huge advantage of it it was just willfully just kind of ignoring the rule even though you've been warned and other competitors are calling you out on it so that's why I think they're incredibly lucky to escape penalty now would I be happy if he had his race win his magnificent race win taken away from him probably not no would I be happy if the rules were applied properly in the race then yeah because I think maybe he would have hunted Leclerc down and with that straight line advantage we could have had an absolute cracking ending to the Grand Prix
2: and i think we did have a cracking ending to that grand prix to be honest chris and that's where i wanted to go next was leclerc's challenge i think there there were different alternate universes of this race where leclerc is a grand prix winner today
4: uh possibly yeah i mean certainly got the job done in qualifying um uh, with a you know like it was so close like the half a between the uh the top 3 and just getting it absolutely right and getting the ninth pole position of the season. This is probably the one he, he really should have converted uh, though. But like we were saying earlier, there's just just a couple small, small mistakes are what really cost him.
3: See, I have doubts. I'll be honest. I think this is a race that, that was going to go to Perez as long as he didn't make mistakes. And, My sense of that is based on the end of the race in the dry, which is Leclerc chasing Perez with DRS, not able to get around him in the DRS zones, and then unable to keep up with him once his tires started to go. I think if you change those positions around with Perez in the Red Bull, I think Perez gets around him either sooner under DRS or later because Leclerc has again blown up his tires trying to stay ahead. And this is a problem Ferrari has had since we've come back um, after the summer break. Now, I'll tell you what, it was one
4: corner that was screwing Charles Leclerc. Let's be real. The only proper overtaking opportunity Charles had available to him was turn seven. It was never realistically going to happen anywhere else. And in order to do that, he had to be very good out of turn three after that first couple of complex of corners and then stick close with him through the, the right-hander that led onto the straight. But he kept losing time to Perez, either through bad traction or making a small mistake. That was just enough that Perez was just far enough ahead going into the DRS and that Leclerc couldn't attack him down into turn seven. It was that one corner in particular that was really screwing him.
5: Yeah, I agree and I think you picked up on it there. It was the traction which from what I saw is the traction where he seemed to really 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 struggle and of course um added to that coupled with that a slight straight line speed de- deficit. But I think the straight line speed deficit was mainly, you know, it was it was exaggerated by by the lack of traction and it was kind of a traction moment or going to the corner too hot and then can't get out of it again which kind of lost him the DRS. Sort of anyway, so he was having to over sort of push into the corners knowing he's got bad traction, so he's probably pushing too hard into the corners to try to make up for that. And that was a that was a shame. But yeah, I think if I think if Perez was behind the clip, I think Perez probably would have got him still.
2: So who do we think had the better car out of those two, Matt? Like was Perez probably had the better race car?
3: Yeah, I, I think I think Perez had the fastest car on the track in these conditions today. Yeah. Well, I mean, Verstappen might have actually had the fastest car, but then we won't know the answer to that (laughs) question, will we? But of the two, I I think he had the car advantage over Kerk a little bit, yes.
4: It was infuriating about Verstappen. How many times did he light up the timing screen? Not just in the race, but in qualifying as well. Oh, I'm, going, I'm about to set a pole out that's 8.7 seconds quicker than everyone else is. And like, we never, we never got to see it.
2: <laughs> I have to say, I love the fact that both those drivers were definitely pushing it towards the end of the race in, in challenging conditions. They were both losing it. Perez, I could probably count maybe three times where he locked the outside left. I don't know what corner it, it was at. But he was clearly struggling. He seemed to be missing the apex into the bridge every single time. Leclerc was catching him through there, and Leclerc was more losing the back end. So it felt like uh, Perez was struggling to get the front stopped and turned in, but Leclerc was struggling under traction. And it was just it was it was like watching like '90s racing. Matt. It was like watching Damon Hill versus Schumacher.
3: Yeah, it really was. And if we're going to talk about this, I just want to take a brief moment to raise a glass to George Russell's exit from the pit lane on the <laughs> slick was tires. So good.
2: It was so good. The thing is, that is youth, though, because I think there's a lot of drivers who would have had that and gone, nope, no, 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 back in, back in we go. But he was like, no, no, it's fine. I've got this. I can handle it. I can definitely do it.
3: I could literally hear him screaming wee inside his helmet <laughs> <laughs> as he went out.
2: So that happened one time with me. I, I, I hooked up me and my son uh, with uh, into you know pit lane to to helmet comms in karting. He'd completely forgotten that we were connected. He went round a hairpin, got a, a slide on, and he literally went Wee all the way round. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe it. maybe George Russell was doing that. Uh, but yeah, uh, but Leclerc, look, um, I, I just like I like seeing him push. This isn't his season. I don't think it is going to be his season season. Um, but that was. Um, you know, that that was great to see him battling and pushing hard on a track that's so hard to overtake on, where I think you probably needed a three or four second delta to overtake. So maybe that overtake was really never on. Have to say, had a late entry here from Mateus in our Slack chat, who points to the 2022 Canadian Grand Prix, where Sebastian Vettel was found guilty of failing to keep within ten car lengths of the car in front under safety car conditions, no further action. So check. And mate
1: no 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 if you've
2: got got a comeback to that you can have a comeback to that but that's quite a recent example so if this season Vettel didn't get a penalty kind of seems fair seems reasonably consistent I still feel like if he had 4.99 seconds they would have copied and pasted that exact stewards report okay um, let's go to Max Verstappen who could have wrapped up the title this weekend but Chris a a little bit of a, a miserable weekend all starting and yeah. qualifying.
4: It always seems to be in uh whatever whatever series you're watching, as soon as there's the opportunity to wrap up the title, things just seem to go really, really wrong for that person. I remember when I was a formerly <laughs> e-journalist, I think uh John Eric Vern had a chance to wrap up a title quite early, and just everything that you could think of to go wrong went wrong for him. And and it was the case for Max Verstappen this weekend, uh, while he was what a second up on Charles Leclerc's pole time, and Red Bull haven't put enough fuel in the car. What now? That is their first major. <sighs> no, no, hang blunder on. I think it's a little season.
2: bit more complicated than that. And you're right; it is their first major blunder. Well,
4: but it is more complicated than yeah. that, most definitely.
2: Yeah. So the the lap times were really fascinating as it was a drying track. You had Alonso popping up and going to pole twice, and you know he would have absolutely been loving that. Hamilton was frequently going up to pole. Leclerc. Verstappen, it never quite happened throughout that run. So this is why I'm saying it might be a little bit more complicated than that. He was lighting up the sectors, Chris, but he never put that like killer lap in and considered abandoning them. Yeah, yeah, he kept abandoning them. But had he completed any of those final two laps, I think he was like a second, a second and a half on pole, it would have been a devastating lap. Yeah. But but yeah, but for whatever reason he didn't nail any of them and then eventually they had to say no, we're not going to have enough fuel to comply with the regulations pull in yeah,
4: so he would have abandoned that penultimate lap, thinking he had enough fuel to do one more uh, this right, will, yeah. this will be the one because if it, if it's not perfect i'm I'm just going to go for the perfect lap a, a bit later, and why we saw this happen was because they were fueled up for the entire session mm. normally q three comes out they do. They do one flying lap, come back in, get a bit more fuel in, then they do their last flying lap. But here, because of the changing conditions, they had to keep them out on track throughout the entire session. And it's very difficult to calculate the fuel when the pace is so varying, because we saw the first laps, it was Sonoda on the intermediates who was quickest. And then the slick started to come in and they were dropping seconds per lap. And So it was very difficult to actually calculate how much fuel you'll need, and they realized two corners before uh, the pit lane that Verstappen wasn't going to make it to have the fuel sample needed which is a mandatory requirement otherwise you get chucked out of quali so it was just far better for them to accept that they weren't going to be on pole start in eighth place rather than risk being excluded from qualifying well
5: I couldn't figure out was because he aborted his first which would have yeah. probably been the pole lap, so his penultimate <laughs> lap. Now, that must have been a conscious decision just on his own, off his own back, because the team must have sort of known they were going to be tight at this point, and they surely would have wanted to bank that. So I haven't heard anything. I wonder if there's a breakdown in the communication. There. So basically, the team has to own Wait, the mistake. Yeah. But surely, they would have been like, like don't back off, cash this lap and then get the next one. Like, But I think he must have taken a decision himself to back out of that lap to quickly charge his battery. But he only nah, backed okay. out yeah, yeah, yeah. with about yeah. three corners left. So he couldn't have done that much battery charge anyway. So I'm really surprised at that. So I think that was his own decision and the team were like, oh no, but they should have told him pretty much straight away. Um, like maybe try and even listen and coast during the lap <laughs> if they thought it was going to be that tight. But as we saw in 2012 in Barcelona, Hamilton had the pole taken away from him. So they know... They need to have that leader.
4: Chris, you were trying to get in there. Sorry. Well, it's happened in other occasions as well. Sebastian Vettel the same year in Abu Dhabi. Um, And it it doesn't just account for the pole cars. It's every single car. Um, So I don't know why he abandoned that penultimate lap because it looked okay as far as we were concerned. I mean, I can only imagine that it would have been just to get that last little bit of battery for the last lap because obviously they deplete the battery quite a lot in a hot qualifying lap. So they need to take a lap to recharge.
2: It's good though, isn't it? Like, Verstappen's going to win, but it's good that it hasn't been wrapped up like so quickly. And I I believe that if Leclerc wins in Suzuka, it won't be wrapped up either. And it goes to the Americas, which will be fine. I think that'll be good entertainment. But actually, Matt, Verstappen's misery did not end in qualifying.
3: No, in in fact, it did not. Uh, If we go to the start of the race... He didn't have the car in the correct mode for the start and (laughs) picked up a massive anti-stall and then got um, some contact, I believe, with Magnussen off off the start, which just made his life even more entertaining than it had previously been.
2: Oh, actually, before we move on, I just have to say about the radio calls. So I think that him kicking off the team for that mistake is completely fine. There you go. Just going to say that. But can we also apply that to when other drivers kick off and just say, yeah, that's completely fine. So that's all I wanted to say on that. But, um, but yeah, so at the start, Matt, he, he he sort of Hamiltoned, which is the term I'm using yep. for being in some sort of bizarre, incorrect mode. So he Hamiltoned the start, um, and then and then he lost like four or five places from that. And actually, he he ended up colliding with Magnuson. So that is why Magnuson had the end plate issue. I didn't catch that incident. Who, whose fault was that incident? Do we do we know?
4: Oh, is there an argument? It was it was Max's. It was Max's. Yeah. He okay. squeezed Kevin up against that wall.
2: Okay. He was very lucky not to get pitched round himself. In that case. Whose fault is it? It was Verstappen's. In that case, it was super cheeky that Verstappen was then on the radio calling that, oh, he's got to be he's got to be meatball flagged, a phrase which Alex Brundle invented, by the way. He's got to be meatball flagged because that rear, that, that end plate is going to come off and hit us. That is cheeky as heck when you're the one who caused that incident. I didn't realize that. So There you go. It, well,
3: if you look at the job he did against Vettel, and then subsequently Alonso, you might understand why he was trying to get Magnussen off the track as quickly as possible. Even, even he was having a really hard time overtaking those midfielders in, the, in these conditions.
2: Uh, Kyle, that was a good defense from Magnussen in the end. Yeah, um,
5: mm. what against against Max? Against
2: Max, yeah, shut yeah, the door it was against
5: Max. He only he only got sort of moved out of the way after the pit stop, wasn't it? He, he yeah, had to pit to get everything, exactly, yeah. which 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 was a shame because actually he put that pass into Q three, which is an amazing achievement, and actually looked through, so. It was actually really unfortunate for him, but yeah, um, again, it probably was. A, I just caught a glimpse of it. It probably was Max's fault again. But as we know with K-Mag, he's not exactly one to move aside easily, is he, <laughs> on the first lap? He doesn't no. exactly put self-preservation first when it comes and, to and this is it. Wheel, um, wheel-to-wheel uh, racing. A
2: few of our, our Danes and our uh, Magnuson fans in our Slack group were saying, hey, look, there is an inconsistency here. Haas have been called up three times with meatball flags for end plates, and they have seen examples where other cars with similar end plates issues have not been you know taken off track and I accept that I think that's that has been a bit of a funny one but you also have to ask yourself Kevin Magnussen fans why does Kevin Magnussen keep ending up with end plate issues and and in tussles he has been very very aggressive this year I'm not I'm not bemoaning that I'm just saying Kyle if you drive like Magnussen does and you defend like he does that's great tally. it's probably good racing it does come with a risk
5: yeah, absolutely, and we know he's super fighty and will not give an inch, regardless if he knows the car behind him. Yeah, exactly. Max Verstappen is
2: is it could be Concord, it could be him. Concord, yeah. and he would
5: yeah. be, exactly, and and he hasn't and he wouldn't. But the problem is with the with the sort of race direction now. Once a competitor has called that out and said, yeah. "I don't think it's very mm. safe and it's dangerous," they're kind of a bit painted into a corner then, because if God forbid the, the wing does fly off and conk someone on the head. They're going to look really bad because they've been warned. So they kind of have to act, and it's a bit of a strange situation now. So I'm not, I'm surprised we don't see this more of everyone saying it because as soon as they've told told to, told the teacher, essentially what it is, because oh look, their wings broken, they you know, the race direction kind of have to intervene, and they were, just, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were just about to intervene on Mercedes as well until they made the pit stop because they had to really, obviously it would have been unfair treatment, wouldn't it?
3: Yep, exactly the point I was going to make. He radioed the same thing in when Hamilton drove into the wall, which we'll get to later, and was, and was yeah. full wanging it around on the cherry hook. On the cherry hook, the yeah. Off. Uh,
2: by the way, I just have to correct because a few people are saying, oh, I thought meatball flag was a real phrase. It is a real phrase, but on the UK Sky commentary, Martin Brundle just casually mentioned, oh, my son calls that the meatball flag, implying that his son had invented it. Not really acknowledging that his son is also an internationally recognised commentator and race car driver, who then had to go onto Twitter to deny claims that he was claiming that he had invented the term <laughs> meatball flag, and I just found that the most endearing and sweet and lovely thing. So that that's what I was referring to there, Chris.
4: Yeah, we love Alex. All the best for uh, the WEC finale in Bahrain, if you're listening, which obviously you are. Um, <laughs> on, on Max, he had a very, very calm, cool, and collected ninety minutes. Of that race where he didn't do ridiculous dives and and super um, uh, optimistic moves it was very calculated how he was sort of making his way through the field right up until they got onto slick tires and he absolutely full wanged it into the uh, escape road.
2: Matt. yeah and that move oh sorry, go sorry. On,
5: car gone i was gonna say yeah and that move particularly one the one on the one on norris yeah looked really really tricky and you could almost see this happening in slow motion as soon as it happened mm. i was like he's going to he's going to shove that up the inside and he's not going to stop as soon as you saw that it's like no there was there was an inevitability about it but yeah. i was kind of almost shocked because let's face it max this year has apart from spinning in the hungry race mm. has not really made a mistake and it seemed almost superhuman oh, at times so hang it,
2: on didn't he have an off didn't he have an off uh, red Bull barcelona really? barcelona oh there yes go, yeah. actually so in it's barcelona. really his third one
5: it is but that's it but it's it almost looks robotic in his mm. performances um so it was kind of almost a bit humbling to see oh my oh he is human he does make mistakes like everyone else is today
4: yeah there was just this little sort of puff of spray that he managed to run over while going off the lines and what we were talking about earlier with leclerc you just put one wheel into that and you lose all your tire temperature but i know that matt's got a theory as well about uh, why he locked both fronts so suddenly
3: yeah well and this is the thing i think it looked way worse than it actually was you watched it and you're like oh he was never gonna stop that car i mean just massive clouds of smoke coming off the front tires it looked it just looked Epically bad. It was never going to, it was never on for that to happen. But actually, he hit a bump. There's a bump there, and I don't think he was aware of it. And the moment you hit that bump and it puts your front wheels in the air under braking, which is with the cars being this stiff, what happens? Both of those lock. And so when they come back down on the asphalt, you're under full lock and you cannot stop the car at that point especially being offline on wet asphalt. So I do have to defend him here. It was a mistake, but it was not the kind of mistake at all like it looked. It it was well within his power, minus that bump, I think, to maybe make that move stick. Because he's the only person I can recall making a successful overtake in the first half of the race anyway. And it's a a pretty significant bump as well, because Norris was told later in the race
4: to avoid it by any means necessary cuz it was doing something to the car
2: Whose fault is it? Oh little quick one well it's come to my brain Latifi and and Joe Oh uh, Go on, Chris. 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 I need to on. get in there. How
4: dare Joe think he can? He can try and take on. <laughs> he can try and take on my favorite driver. Who does
2: he think he is? Oh, that was just the worst though, because um, because Joe has uh, been having you know a, a good run, and he's just got his new contract. So you kind of go ah oh, for him to just go down the inside of Latifi, and for Latifi to not even realise or recognise that he was there. That's pretty upsetting for everyone involved
4: i do have a genuine defense which is that in the wet condition those mirrors are pretty useless anyway but in the wet conditions you may as well not even have them you cannot see a thing
2: <laughs> oh no. okay
4: kyle
5: what is it that you say in uh some of our race direction briefing notes for our sim racing if you think there might be somebody yeah, on yeah, the, inside the outside exactly. there yeah. probably is and he would have known that because hence he was already taking a semi sort of defensive positioning i believe they call it the primary position for cyclists on the road where you sort of set yourself up defensively, yeah. knowing someone was there so he knew he was slightly under attack i think it was just you know let's give him the benefit of the doubt i think it was just a bit sloppy and he's concentrating on a corner in difficult conditions and he's don't think he meant to drift over that far. He said he didn't mm. see him. I think he did know he was there. He just was a bit sloppy and didn't mean to drift over quite
3: that far. I can remember being taught to drive by my dad. And I can remember making a right-hand turn and being yelled at for starting to drift into the left-hand lane a bit. Because it was a two-lane going the same direction. It's, it's a real human instinct to want to widen that corner sure and that is absolutely what i think caught latifi out i don't think he was even aware he was doing it because as you said i think he was really just at that point focused on the apex and trying to get the dry line or the driest line through that turn and just was fully unaware of joe being next to him
2: but chris as a latifi as, well, as the latifi fan yeah the I, one. I, I'm, sorry, I'm I'm i assume you were hoping that you'd get you know to the end of the season cleanly it is just it is just another chalk mark on the wall isn't it
4: yeah i didn't have very high hopes going into this race because i knew it was it's already the hardest grand prix of the year when they say that this is the one they train for they really mean it because Mm -hmm. it is the most one of the most physically demanding shit because of the the length of it because it usually almost always goes to the full two hour limit but they yeah. humidity and then you throw in the difficult conditions as well it was always going to be one of those races where mm. someone like uh, Nikki was going to struggle
2: Okay, because you have to be at the highest possible level at one yeah. of the hardest tracks in the world to compete and whilst, whilst we're on Williams briefly I just want to say whoever is in charge of like driver management or HR or whatever at Williams you could have given Albon the weekend off he did an amazing job getting himself ready to be back to be an F1 Grand Prix driver at the hardest physical racetrack ever. And I wonder how much he felt a pressure to go, Nick De Vries did brilliantly. I'd best get back in my F1 car. Someone needed to just put an arm around his shoulder and go, dude, we think you're pretty brilliant at driving F1 cars. We also think Nick De Vries is pretty good at driving F1 cars. Between you and I... You not being here at Singapore isn't going to make a difference. You were being resuscitated a couple of weeks ago. Just chill out. We'll see you in Kota. We'll see you in Mexico. Uh, uh, everyone wants to get in here. So uh, Kyle, Chris, then Matt.
5: It was a very good effort. And yeah, kudos and hats off to it. But MotoGP riders are looking over and think, that's cute. That's oh, really cute.
2: with your motorbikes. Chris, I made the wrong decision going to <laughs> Kyle first
4: maybe he should have let Nick the free drive because there is no way he, he would looked have as good delivered as on the Monza hype. And no one would
2: want to put him in a F1 seat anymore. Oh, well, there you go. Underhanded, Matt.
3: Well, it occurs to me that I might actually have a mitigating circumstance for our friend Latifi. Oh, really? Mr. Apex's favorite driver on, in then. Williams that's not going to be in a Williams next year. 100%. is that they have struggled all season apparently to get his steering wheel properly centered and it's not so his 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 steering wheel literally does not sit straight it is this, off center is this and a- they've not now maybe this is just how much regard they have for him in the team <laughs> but it was reported on F1 TV as I was watching the pre-race that they've had an issue with it and they've not been able to sort it out. So his steering wheel doesn't Uh point straight when he drives straight. And I could see that maybe playing into this kind of accident a little bit, if I'm being honest. I
4: knew it. I knew Williams was against (laughs) him. as a corrupt team. They
2: favor (laughs) Albon. They were never going to let him do anything. To be honest, I'd be going on the Williams live web chat because like uh, the customer service there is appalling. For twenty million, you think you could get online, speak to you know someone in a Danish call center, and say, "Hey, I would like my steering wheel straightened." I'm not buying that as an excuse, except for that. Mick Schumacher had made complaints that he he was wonky, like his body's wonky, and he struggles to get straight in a in an in any kind of race seat. I also struggle with uh, getting my sim rig to be straight, and it turns out. As much as I don't want to admit this, my arms are not the same length. And that has been causing me a, a great deal of problems. Um, okay, so I think that takes us actually to the Mercedes drivers. And I am a fan of Mercedes. I like the way they do things. Matt, I like the cut of their jib, I would go as far as to say. I think both their drivers fell below the standards that they would want to set. And at jib- least one of them was willing to admit it. Oh, really? Which one admitted?
3: Well, I'm pretty sure Hamilton admitted that it was his fault he drove straight into a wall. Oh, <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a fair cop, that. But look, um, okay, we. I mean, we can start with Hamilton because Russell is earlier in his career. My expectations of him are, you know, just just lower in general because, you know, I'm not invested in 12 years of following him. But I've been a, a Hamilton fan for a very long time. And I think I I am more critical of Lewis Hamilton than I am of other drivers. Stop laughing, Verstappen fans. I think it's true. And that's all that matters as far as this podcast is concerned. This season, I have started to see a few chinks. In fact, in the 2021 season, we had a lot of criticisms about how he approached things, about how he treated Max Verstappen a little bit with kid gloves, um, And that was carried over from 2019. He said, well, Verstappen hasn't got a title to drive for, so I should give him a bit more room. And that kind of extended into the early part of 2021. So it's not like we're not critical of Lewis Hamilton on this podcast, Silverstone aside. But, right, this season, I'm starting to see things that that I go, oh, that's, that's not what I've come to expect from Hamilton. Obviously, we had Spa. We had the inconsistencies in the experimental phase of trying to get rid of the porpoising. And then in one weekend, we've seen loads of like not Hamilton-esque type stuff. So like not really nailing that final qualifying lap to get a pole that was there. Finally a pole this year. And if he'd have got pole, a win is genuinely on the cards. And then just, you know, obviously that crash there, the misjudgment under breaking, under, you know, trying to overtake... Vettel towards the end as well, uh, losing it, you know, behind Carlos signs. Chris, mm-hmm. as Hamilton fans, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's just starting to go. Well, it, pff, we don't want to. I don't want to be too dramatic. I'm just saying, there's more mistakes. There's more. There's. It's not the Hamilton of 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. Yeah. Did Lewis Hamilton's best years come at a time where he didn't need to prove himself as much? as maybe he needed to last year or this year.
4: Yeah, 100%. Um, but that's not what I was going to say. Oh, okay. um,
2: I think Just for, agree for... with me strongly and then move on. <laughs>
4: well, for Lewis, you know, it, it kind of snowballed for him, really, didn't it? And he ended up in a in a position similar to Russell where there was a bit of desperation. It's funny, I ran a poll on the Missed Apex Twitter after qualifying yesterday so who hmm. was going to win the race and the options were the top three and or someone else. Uh, and uh, only five percent said Perez, but 47 percent said Lewis, and that was the winning uh, okay. margin. We were yeah. so convinced this was going to be Mercedes' weekend, and well, it, just it, it could have been to fall apart. I, I feel well, like- you're right, it, it definitely could have been if he was on, on it, it, Falling behind science wrecked his race because science was, in terms of pace, a bit of a train wreck this weekend. So he fell massively behind the race leaders and then obviously makes that one mistake that mm. snowballs into a bunch of other mistakes.
2: Yeah, what I would say is, like Lewis Hamilton has obviously made mistakes all throughout his career, but yeah. on those marginal risk-reward, you know, did-it-come-off-this-time kind of situations, more of them used to come off, whereas now maybe not as many of them are starting to come off, Kyle.
5: Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of this, just with what's just been said. Um, also, we kind of need to look Back at, you know, when he was at his height, he used to get a lot of the rubber to green as well with safety cars. And now it's not quite as height. Every single one seems to massively go go against him. So I think he's maybe one of these little, I think he will bang, bounce back, but I think he's having one of these sort of maybe wobble, wobble seasons like schumacher in 2005 like you know when when all of a sudden there's some funny crashes strange mistakes creep in the decisions and safety cars doesn't really go his way i think i think basically all of the good stuff that's happened to him and all the good performances i think that's all been kind of cashed in and now he's getting all <laughs> of the bad luck and getting it all sort of done it's weird it, everything seems to be snowballing and going wrong all at the it, same it point now, be,
2: yeah. yeah yeah i have to say i'm getting grief from the hamfosi in our patreon slack group saying hey uh, people make mistakes. Max Max made mistakes today. I know, I know. But I will say, like, I'm, obviously I'm more focused on Lewis Hamilton from a fan point of view and he's a seven-time world champion. My bar for Lewis Hamilton's performance is set at the very, very high bar that Lewis Hamilton has set. Verstappen is very, very good, but he's much, much newer. We've got much less data points to judge him by.
5: Yeah, and can we just make one point? And this is something that I, I... I've made just about every time when I've criticized Hammond, I've been on, Hamilton when I've been on this podcast. And unfortunately this year is every time he's had a really scruffy race. I see you've been be on. So I, ha- yeah. I have to stick the knives in and I, I will say it and I will call it and tell it as I see it. And, kudos again take my hat off he's done this throughout his whole career regardless of what the twitterists say or anything else mm. like he is the first one to own up to a mistake and he sure. apologized yep. to his team and he takes your know, hats off he's a bit like Charles Leclerc. he will beat himself up and he will own it he will own his mistake and it's never anyone else's fault he absolutely owns it and wears it and takes it so that is absolute kudos and i don't think he gets enough credit for this in fact people say quite the opposite and it really irks me because i'm just yeah. like no there's the one guy who actually does own his mistakes and is very apologetic Aww. to the team so you can see it actually I, it it hurts him but yeah he did have a couple of un-Lewis-esque mistakes
2: I appreciate that from someone who is weirdly and inexplicably a two-time Schumacher fan and I think secretly <laughs> a Ferrari fan but doesn't want to admit it because you don't feel like this is a safe place to say that <laughs> um, I think Maria sums it up there for Lewis's standards errors seem to be creeping in more lately and I, I'm not sure that's overly controversial Matt
3: well i very much harken back to Vettel in the year that Ferrari was almost a contender. I think that you take somebody as good as Lewis and you put them in a car as marginal as Mercedes. And you do start to see these kinds of errors happen because the expectation is the car will support the driving, but it doesn't always. And so I, I I think that's one. And then the other thing I just want to talk about maybe after chris gets in here is is there's some tire controversy that i would hate to go missing before we (laughs) moved on
2: to russell well let's get let's get chris's call in and then we'll we'll do the tire controversy and then russell
4: well guys we only have five races left this season Mm. and i know lewis hamilton has said he doesn't care about it but that (laughs) record of winning and getting a pole position (sighs) in every single season he's competed in is now seriously I need unrisked. Van Jean.
2: I need Van Jean here on the podcast. <laughs> I need like the, because me and Van Jean are like the most Hanfosi really on the panel. Uh, people annoyingly think, so, yes. People think Brad is Hanfosey. Really, He really isn't. Uh, and Matt is, you know, he's like Hanfosi light. But but me and Alex, we definitely look at that record of he's won in every single season, regardless mm. of whether they've had a championship winning car or not, and, and do hold that dear but there's also a reality of age and i am I'm, I'm aware of that age in my own body matt you're horribly aware of the effects of, of getting a lot lot older uh, but, but you know there I is would make you say that just just how old you are <laughs> and look but there is obviously there is a finite there is a finite curve um, to athletes and, and lewis hamilton my goodness is what is he 38 37 37 well a far fitter 37 than, than, than anyone else on this panel. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, y- your point, Matt, on tires.
3: Right. So there are two places that, we, that, that tires came into the discussion. One was at the start, as Kyle mentioned um, earlier, I believe. Lewis very much wanted to start on a used set of enters because they come up to temperatures more ah, quickly. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, I went back and watched the onboard to see. And if I'm going to be honest... They might have made a slight difference later, but given the disparity in the sides of the grid they started on, I don't think it would have helped him all that much because it was just that much slippier. In fact, he was getting wheel spin in fourth gear at one point in the early laps. And hilariously, you remember that radio message about the tires came after um, Bono gave him the gaps to signs ahead, which is 2.5 seconds, and to Norris behind, which is like 1.7 And as soon as he got those gaps, he was like, See, I told you we should have been on those other tires. But that was before Mm. he got up to signs. So I think it was just, (laughs) yeah, I think it was just already a frustrating race that signs was ahead of him. But I had someone actually ask me on Twitter about going onto the medium tire at the end of the race because we had Botas and we had Ricardo both go onto the soft tire and whether or not that might not have been a better choice given the warm up characteristics of the Mercedes. And having looked at it, neither Ricardo nor Bottas made any overtakes with those soft tires. No. So, on the whole, I don't think it offered any advantage that would have been worth the risk, in my opinion.
2: Although, my son did point out to me, and he said that I did have to credit him if I used this on the show. Just an interesting point to note Bottas on older soft tires, three laps older, was faster in clean air than Ricardo. So what, what, make of that of uh, what you will, uh, Kyle.
5: Yeah, and Ricardo is in one of the camps because I realised that Pete, um, Pete Shilcock mentions in the, uh <laughs> Yeah, I, in, I was going to mention in that. our live yeah, chat yeah, yeah. that we haven't mentioned a rather anonymous third place finisher in um, Carlos Such, but but Ricardo was <laughs> in that camp of teammates. Who were comprehensively spanked on pace, yes. but got semi decent yeah. results. But actually, the results really flattered their actual performance. Yeah,
2: I, Pete, I appreciate what you're saying. And normally, like you, you know, you would speak about the people who finished on the podium. But had had they not been safety cars, I think signs would probably be a lot further back, Chris. Uh, and and he was substantially behind Leclerc. So we're not going to sit here and jump up and down and praise that podium.
4: No, no, you 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 want to talk about something? He was much lower than Leclerc today. Lucky to be on the podium.
2: Mm. That's it, Matt. Look,
3: I'm sorry. Anyone whose hair looks like that at the it's end of the hair. Singapore Grand Prix yeah. in the rain deserves some. Credit.
2: Oh man, like honestly, like Perez. Perez is sat there just dunking water over his head, and he just looks like a drowned rat. Like he really worked for that race victory, and then signs like just tips up, and it's like he's in a. He's like in a L'Oreal advert. Yeah, it's insane.
3: It, it was madness. Mm. I will give him credit. He kept Hamilton behind. Yeah. He got ahead at the start. Both things oh, he needed oh, okay. to do. Okay, hang on.
2: He was pretty rude at the start into turn one. I would actually like Kyle's view on that. Kyle, not penalized. Not saying it should be penalized. But that's not fair on Hamilton, what, what signs did in turn one.
3: Um
5: it wasn't, it was rude. Was it fair with the way the regulations are written? He was actually ahead of Hamilton Ooh, on turn one. And Hamilton then braked later to try to go around the outside. And I don't think it was intentional from science. I think science was on the limit and he just mm. nudged Hamilton. We've seen Hamilton do this to Rosberg before. Okay. Let me, uh, let we me... saw it a lot. So um, it, it was rude.
2: But Let I don't me ask think it's unfair. What if he'd have been shoved off, um, a, a lot like all the Abu Dhabi stuff that's come up on lap one, where the pushed Hamilton off? What if <laughs> Hamilton had been pushed off, turn one, Singapore, and then stayed ahead or gotten ahead of signs? Would you expect Hamilton to give that place back?
5: I think if Hamilton would have just done an Alonso and just blatted over the uh, chicane <laughs> Maybe, there at the start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then that would have been an interesting discussion because yeah. I think Mercedes had the case of, he was of, shoved well, off. well, yeah. well, we're ahead, we shoved off. But then Ferrari would say we were actually ahead before we got into the braking zone of the corner and you were trying to effect a pass around the outside and you've just driven off. So if I was the stewards, I'd probably tell Lewis to give that place back.
3: Interesting. And if I was Lewis, I wouldn't. I'd just get more than five seconds ahead. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> meow.
3: <laughs> i just i'm saying it's been done before
2: i mean Wouldn't he's have been hard he's old he talks too yeah. slowly and for too long but he's not wrong about that is he he's not wrong <laughs> about that my goodness mm. uh george russell mm. uh who wants to lead with george russell
4: I, I want to come to the defense of george russell ever so slightly okay. because i talked about being put in a position of desperation with lewis hamilton and that is the position that george russell found himself in from the word go Mm-hmm. because he was starting from the pit lane because they decided to change his engine after to after qualifying. Um not sure if that was the best decision whether that was a tactical uh, move or whether they had to change it um because I think starting 11th would have been a lot better and the the reason he was starting 11th as well was because of this weird brake issue where the car was sort of still pushing forward so he didn't really have the tools um in qualifying available to him. So I do feel a bit bad for him. And he's just sort of in a position where it's going to be impossible to overtake. I have to just do crazy things. Otherwise mm. my race is done. And then was on the slick ties way too early and was like, well, I just have to make this work. Um, so yeah, really subpar race, but I don't think much less of him because of it.
5: I actually think it was a bit of a subpar weekend in general from sort of George. And mm. yeah, they said, um, you know, and we're allowed to criticize him. I have said and done nothing but praise him on this show pretty much all year. So, so you know, again, I will say it as I see it. Um, it was subpar. He would he had lots of little instances in the in the practices, which is probably why they changed his power unit. Now, if you are trying to go into a corner and you come completely off the throttle and you've still got a bit of torque pushing you forward, um, yeah, that is a problem. Yeah. Uh, did we actually see any data? Was this actually proven, or was this them? Well, sort of changing it and taking excuse to get an engine in
4: no i mean they said it like immediately after uh qualifying i think george oh, was right, okay. talking about it during qualifying on the radio um as well
5: okay but but yeah but in the race he he had a couple of sort of quite under george-like moments the first one when he when he sailed up the Ooh. inside of bottas and
2: just like skidded off oh, the... again again Yeah, I'm I'm going to take some issue with that. An un-George-like moment. Whose fault is it? (laughs) Look, look, look. I'm not going to sit here and say George Russell isn't a not talented driver, but he's got this squeaky clean reputation that isn't warranted. He's a very, very aggressive driver. So he he had two incidents, Kyle. Mm -hmm. What was that one you were referring to?
5: Well, the one with um, Bottas, where he just absolutely sent it and just completely sailed <laughs> straight on. And Bottas kind of saw it coming, and they still managed to make contact. And then the second one he had was with Mick Schumacher, when he just oh. drove straight into the side of Mick Schumacher. He just in, drove straight into him.
4: In fairness, there was way more than a car's width on the outside there. Mick was not using any of it. He doesn't have in, to. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He doesn't have, he to. Does have to. I know he doesn't, but then we was there. But
5: then,
3: In George, fairness... Schumacher
4: refused to get out of his
5: way. <laughs> yeah, that was terribly rude. <laughs> Awful.
2: <laughs> no, hang on. Let's be clear. Like, George Russell, on the approach there, on the overtake with Schumacher, he picked yeah. the middle of, of the track. And, mm-hmm. and, and Mick Schumacher doesn't then have to go all the way to the outside. Russell isn't entitled to then push him to the outside on the entry. He can only go as far as where there's no car. And he went further than that. Quite rudely, Chris. But you Mick, can't Mick say went straight. He didn't leave a car's width. No. No, well, no hang he on. didn't,
5: but Mick Mick was going completely straight. He probably had half a car's width or a car's width on yeah. his outside. He he could have gone. He wasn't on an unusual line. No, he was no, on no. a slightly tighter racing line. Yes. And then George Russell in the braking zone just veers straight yeah. over into
2: into Mick. I think we have to be clear on this. If you're going on a straight down towards a corner, you if you're the outside car, you don't have to take the entry all the way to the outside. If you happen to be in the middle of the road and you've got the car on the inside, you can stay in the middle of the road. The inside car obviously wants to get to the outside and he would love it if you gave him all the room in the world, but you can stay straight. And the inside car can't just keep driving out. A hundred percent, that is George Russell's fault. Not only that, he, he ruined kind of both of their races and then got on the radio to be like... Why is Mick Schumacher fighting this so hard? He's fighting it like it's the race <laughs> of his life. Well, maybe, George, it's because you just absolutely smashed into him a few eight, a few laps back.
5: And he's fighting for his seat as well. Yeah, that's this, true. This harps yeah. back to the Albon, they fight me so hard, <laughs> yes. sort of comment, or it was yes, quite they, similar to they that. They
2: want your seat, Alex. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Matt? Yeah, well, I,
3: I, this is literally the place that I wanted to go. Is It's just this weird sense that, you sometimes get as a from certain drivers that, well, you should just get out of my way because I'm me and I'm driving a Mercedes. And yeah. no, no, why should that <laughs> be the case? It's much more entertaining when 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 they don't pull a Gasly and just get out of Verstappen's way early on in the race. It's much more entertaining when you have late race Gasly who refuses to get out of Verstappen's way.
2: So I think the last uh, regular team we're probably going to cover here. Uh, I'll just quickly say, you know, uh, Aston Martin. Uh, probably damning them with faint praise today but in a attrition heavy race they they ended up in the points chris yeah
4: no i mean i don't think it's faint praise at all because has didn't manage to do it and uh i would argue they've got a stronger driver pairing at the moment than uh than than aston martin so i think that was great and stroll was honestly like
2: he was really impressive he was well uh, well, well calm down Stroll he, does well in the races where people push too hard and and fall off.
4: I mean he beat
2: multiple world champions today so uh I don't know it seemed like a pretty good drive to me. The races where Lance Stroll has looked most impressive has been where people have gone too far over the risk reward barrier Kyle and today the you know being being steady and plonky plonky was advantageous and he did well.
5: Like, yeah, I think even without the the um With people dropping out, I can't remember the word, but without people, the attrition, that's it. Even without the attrition... He was still there he was still well inside the top ten and holding his own and ahead of Vettel. He was absolutely solid. Stroll was probably Barbs uh, Barb sort of Perez was my driver of the race. What? He was absolutely solid in that the Aston Martin, which far. isn't the easiest car to oh drive my he did, It was oh so my much as a goodness. snatch break, and he absolutely nailed it. And he's just beaten his four time champion teammate, you know, convincingly. And we know he's a wet weather specialist, but on a street track, he could have made so many mistakes there and he didn't. And what was he, seventh in the end? Seventh or sixth? brilliant drive, driver six. it's great for aston
2: i've clipped that first social media chris uh, feedback <laughs> at mistapex.net please side side with me over over this bearded monstrosity
3: matt but the thing to take home from yeah. this is that in a single race aston has gone from ninth to seventh ahead of both haas and alpha towery and that in the constructors is a hugely. That is a lot of money we're talking about now.
2: They've got some of the best funding in F one. Like they have this is not some chancer team. Okay. This is not Hesketh, okay. Who has just come up from F two, Chris. Saying they leapt <laughs> to seventh. Why are we why is the bar so low no, for Spanners. Aston Martin?
4: Spanners. Mm. We 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 I think we talked about this at the beginning of the year when Aston Martin were way below what we were expecting from them for this year and it's that their philosophy is i've just bought the best pound for pound team in formula 1 so i'm going to chuck money at them and that's not really how it works that's not what they do so uh yeah. I, I i think in terms of what they've been given you know of uh, of a car this mm-hmm. year they're doing a pretty good job with it and to be beating alpha mm-hmm. and to be beating Hassel such so a really strong start to the season yeah as well mm. and this is all really playing out because it's not um it's mm. not just the uh the money as well they just cut their wind tunnel time in half not I think, quite in half i'm exaggerating but
2: i think this is a lesson to all the young lovers out there who are thinking about <laughs> getting married and settling down don't no. put the hard yards in yet reduce expectations so that any little thing you do gets treated as a fantastic achievement like a herculean pushing a rock up a hill for all eternity. There you go. I think we've summed that up nicely. McLaren, it's a good oh, result yeah. for them, Matt. But I feel like they have been so peaky that okay, this is a McLaren peak. And obviously Alpine, you know, fell off the fell off the cliff. Uh, mistakenly went for the external combustion engine. This race, how excited do we want to be about a great P four P five for McLaren, given the amount of retirements and given their generally peaky performance?
3: I think it is worth being excited because they brought a huge update and it seemed to be functioning. I think it's worth being excited if you are a McLaren fan because they are back in fourth place mm-hmm. with only a handful of races left. It's, And as a fan, this is one of two battles, three battles left to be concerned with. One is Perez and Leclerc for second in the Drivers' Championship. Go on, checker. Perez is two points behind Leclerc. Get in there, lads. That's going to be something to watch. <laughs> the second is the battle between Alpine and McLaren. To see if Alpine can come back at Suzuka and take fourth back. I expect this to go pretty much to the end. And the third is the three-way duel, which I'm uh, reliably informed is called a truel. <laughs> oh my between God. Between AlphaTauri, Haas, and Aston for seventh place in the championship. So there's not nothing left to watch in terms of battles and excitement. Pick your people and root for them now, because probably all of those will go down to the wire.
4: Why shouldn't we be excited about a huge development between two pretty major teams in Formula One, that is really defining in their constructors' championship battle for fourth place in a race where Alpine really, really have dropped the ball in terms of their reliability. Th- that neither car finished, while McLaren has taken a above-average points haul. Is is you know it's it's not just like they they managed to pick up seventh and eighth today. No, they picked up a
3: huge mm.
4: points haul for them. That is changing the face of that battle and that is exciting.
5: It is. And I think they managed to get themselves into that position by well, you could say they were lucky under the safety car, but I actually don't think they were lucky. I actually think they were very, very clever here and they played the um they they played the chances because, you know, the race starts, it's wet, it's tricky. You reckon there's probably about a 30-40% chance of a safety car. Now, they were going quite long on their intermediates anyway, but what do you think the the uh, risk and the chances of a safety car is going to do when people start changing to dry tyres on still a damp, very tricky track? <laughs> it goes up to about a 90% chance of a safety car. So I think this was an intentional goal hang. They stayed an extra lap, thinking, surely, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they were goal hanging. So there's an intentional goal hang. So they've gone out and basically like, well, if there's going to be a safety car, it's going to be now because one of these people is going to stuff it into the wall. And that is duly and promptly what happened. And they just solidified their, their good, brilliant result good, and it works good, out good. a wonder for ricardo so they actually pitted like a lap later than everyone else to get onto the dry tires and i think this was semi-intentional if that would have been me on the pit wall <laughs> i'd have been like hang on a minute lads wait yeah. a minute it's just about to kick off let's just wait one more lap
2: great analysis
4: 100 it was intentional and i think they always intended to to take those intermediate tires a little bit further into the race than everyone else you alluded to my f2 analogy earlier kyle And the way that this played out was quite similar to what you might see in a formula two race where if you remember they don't use tire blankets Mm. so normally what happens is you make your pit stop if you're behind your rival whatever you come out your pits on cold tires so you struggle initially and you might lose a bit of time to your rival but then when they make their stop you've got nice hot tires and while they're struggling you take your advantage. And that's kind of what bizarrely happened when the change from intermediates to the slicks was happening because it was taking that lap to to get them into the window for that same lap taking the intermediates would have been quicker. So they were actually kind of overcutting uh, the, the, the rest of the field and then really like bang, that safety car really nailed home uh, that strategy.
5: Yeah, the overcut was king over the undercut, which is not often we get to actually see that it's usually mm. quite it's usually inverse to that so that was that was really interesting and and yeah absolutely paid off for them even though ricardo yes he was running a different spec car wasn't he this weekend there was only one new mclaren i believe
4: i i think that update was specifically aimed at low speed corners so i'd be surprised if it, it was still on the car term. in Suzuka.
2: it was a long-term mm. update not specific to the track i think okay but okay. i think Maybe, there was just one of multiple, them wasn't though, no? oh, okay uh matt they
3: well, I mean, I think the big thing was that uh, was obvious visually was the change in the uh, side pod entrance, looking much more like Red Bulls. But I suspect they they changed more than that. But we don't always get the pictures mm. to confirm it. But but what I like about it is this again is an example of McLaren outthinking a team by. By drawing the obvious conclusion very quickly, which is if the rest of the field is going on to slick tires and we can hang on for another lap or so, we've got a great chance of a safety car saving us, you know, 15, 20 seconds in the pit lane.
2: quick one. Uh, I'll go to Kyle here uh, before we go to the podium. If you could say that Lando Norris's halo tribute helmet looked like any vegetable at all, which vegetable (laughs) would you choose? Sprout, my, my,
5: my nemesis at Christmas.
2: Fantastic. <laughs> Guys, uh, we have got to make sure that we don't go over an hour because I have promised everyone on the panel and everyone in the wider crew, all their partners, all their children, that Miss Apex will never, ever exceed one metric hour. So let's move on to the podium. The Singapore Grand Prix, which is a street circuit and i am very much against street circuits i don't think so many of them should be on the calendar however i always judge my f1 experience uh, on did i enjoy my viewing sat with my boy or by myself or with my friends did i enjoy watching formula 1 today and i have to say i really really did starting on interchangeable conditions uh, seeing the you know a little bit of a little bit of a battle at the start watching to see what the people would do like the tactics where was that crossover point i think watching uh free practice three and also watching qualifying gave us that knowledge of where that crossover point would be and it's really again important to try and watch the live timings if you can and have a look like if you'd have watched qualifying you go oh we know where that crossover point is sort of roughly so if you see that they're doing 156 you go right that's nowhere near ready for, for, for dry tyres. And things like listening to Matt droning on endlessly about tyre crossovers and uh, water displacement of intermediate and four wet tyres really does add to this experience of, of Formula 1. And then towards the end of the race, we really did get rewarded with some genuine good racing. I think this, this season was probably one of the key races where you could sit on an onboard if you have that option. And just watch a battle. So, if you watched Max Verstappen on the onboards as he was trying to work his way through the pack, you know, as he was really struggling to get past uh, Kevin Magnussen, as he was fighting Fernando Alonso, as Pierre Gasly got waved an orange flag and just moved aside as if it was a blue flag twice. But watching those onboards, say, from Leclerc pushing really hard to try and get past Sergio, uh, uh, Sergio Perez for the win. Uh, there was a driver challenge here. I think it was good entertaining TV. And as someone who is really against street tracks, I had a good time watching TV. I hope you did too. I hope you enjoyed listening to Mr. Apex Podcast. Do me a favour, please. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. If you're listening on the audio, thank you so much for all the amazing five-star reviews we've had. We have had dozens and dozens. It has been absolutely fantastic. And if I could ask once again, tell one person you know, to tune into Missed Apex podcast mistapex.net is the easiest way to say to people right just go and type in www. how many how many w's was that did i do too many www.mistapex.net that gets you to a homepage that has all the video and audio ready to go so that's what i'm going to ask you guys today there are 44 thousand ish people that tune into our race reviews if you could all just tell one person to go and check us out that would be absolutely amazing but this is the part of the show where we do awards so the first awards we do is this the thing of the weekend (laughs) who's ready carl you're a generally negative person so i'm going to put you on the spot here can you think of a positive thing to give an award to this weekend in f1 funnily
5: enough this is the only one that i didn't have one already for i hadn't <laughs> thought of any good things oh. so but I, i'm actually going to come out and say my my good thing my thing of the weekend was uh the aston double point score because it seemingly came from
2: nowhere okay so what you're doing is you're taking a team who has chronically underperformed this year mm-hmm. and giving them an attaboy for sort of doing okay in one race once
5: uh yeah, I mean okay. money doesn't instantly equate to pace. Mm. So you might have to say that so next year they're going to have no excuses, but this year I think we can cut them a bit of
2: slack. No. I don't agree. Chris, good thing award. Who would you like to give your good thing award to? It's got to be Charles
4: Leclerc hunting down
2: <laughs> Sergio Perez <Paris laughs> yeah, yeah, after the good, safety man. car restart. Mm. I could not take my eyes off it. Amazing. Matt Trumpets. who's your thing of the weekend?
3: well as much as i'd be tempted to go for the entirely useless drs <laughs> which was fun to watch or defense as we say over here in the united states i think my thing it has to go to the track and the weather combination <laughs> making so many brilliant yeah. drivers look like absolute noobs
2: yeah because they all had to push to get a result which is which is pretty good which kind of makes a mockery of my criticism of of this track in general but did Bernie have a point? Can can we can we have like a roulette wheel? And at the beginning of every race, you either get rain, no rain, do the sprinklers, you know, make it a half race distance. This race, Kyle, is now four hours long because that's what the roulette wheel said. Four hours in the snow. Go.
5: Oh, my God. Please hope Stefano isn't listening to oh this because we'll goodness. have fan voted for sprinklers or whatnot mm. next.
2: I honestly didn't entertain the very real possibility that if (laughs) Domenicali hears that, he might make it happen. (laughs) So is it me to do a thing of the weekend award? I hope no one was expecting me to not give it to Sergio Perez for proving once and for all that he's definitely a better choice than Albon and Gasly.
3: What? Conclusively
2: proved. That's definitely the case. Uh, Okay, in, in that case, Chris, please name four albon victories for red bull thank you i'll wait
4: i w- no i wasn't wanting mm. your uh, mm. uh perez over yeah. albon i was watching the uh you choosing him as your thing of the weekend i'm shocked what what who do you think i'd choose no, I'm, I'm, oh my god I'm oh, oh you're being sarcastic right okay. sarcasm detector not found in
2: spanners I, I need to i need to work on that we do another award and it's not so positive so trigger warning we're gonna get super mean it's the Missed Apex Award.
4: Oh, no,
1: you missed the Apex.
2: It's named after the title of the show. Okay, who's the most negative person on my panel? Kyle! <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Kyle, you're, you're more negative in the morning times. Definitely. Evening Kyle is a happy Kyle.
5: Generally, yeah. Alcohol has nothing to do with that. At uh, no, all. no, 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 no. <laughs> I wasn't suggesting
2: as much. But you should follow Kyle on Twitter at KylePowerF1. Please go and follow him. Lots of hot takes, and uh, and I enjoy following you on there as well. But who missed the apex for you?
5: Now I tried to stray away from the controversy or flamey stuff, and I tried to you? be quite neutral mm. and in the middle. But today I might break my little duck there. <laughs> so okay. there was one particular comment from a team principal that made me choke on the crumpet. Oh, and when I was at it, and that was the absolute irony of a. Christian Horner um getting oh. upset and accusing teams of making defamatory oh, comments after, in my opinion, their year long smear campaign they did to anybody who'd listened all year last year. And yeah. then the irony of saying that comment, um I, I almost choked on you know when I read that and I'm just like, wow. Okay, so that is my uh, missed apex because I just couldn't believe the irony.
4: Kyle, there's no such word as defamatory.
5: Oh, deflammatory, sorry. There we go. Different
4: words. Words are hard. To be fair, words,
2: <laughs> words are hard. Uh, we haven't yeah. we haven't. Touched, I'm right, right. We I haven't right. we haven't touched on right. the, the the budget cap stuff yet. So if you want to just settle in, uh, the next half an hour will be no. We'll discuss that when we have more information. <laughs> I believe information on that budget cap stuff will be coming out midweek, um, and basically until it comes out, we don't know anything. So as far as you know, mm-hmm. uh, Red Bull's outrage and anger could really be caused by the fact that they've done absolutely nothing wrong and they've been slandered massively online. Time will tell. Matt, who missed the apex for you?
3: Well, you know, there are so many people who literally missed apexes today that I could
2: choose. Well, Perez missed a bunch in that that race defense.
3: Yeah, and, you know, Russell and obviously Verstappen and Hamilton. So, to me, that's a target-rich environment. But there is only one. That's Alpine. Mm. Both of their engines blew up in a race where they had a clear advantage over their nearest Constructors' Championship rivals, McLaren. And something went very, very, very wrong. And it was very, very also clearly their fault and their fault alone. So, yeah, they missed the apex, in my opinion.
2: Uh, I think that's fair. Chris Stevens. Oh, in fact, sorry, Matt. (laughs) At MattPT55 on Twitter. Yep. Anything else to push and promote? You're not starting um, a brand new lingerie line that you'd like to no, put a hot link to? I've got to? a concert October
3: 14th, but that'll wait till
2: next Can week. Can we come to that?
3: Yeah, actually. In America? We'll be able. And, okay. and if you're in America land, yeah, you could. All
2: right. Next week, we'll talk about that. Don't follow Matt at MattPT55. He is criminally underfollowed on, on Twitter. So go and follow him. We have Chris, who is at Chris on Racing. Hey, Chris. That's me. I on know. Tw- Twitter, Instagram, mm. and TikTok. Does Miss Apex, are we up and running on TikTok yet? Have we got clips on? I mean,
4: I'm, I'm, I'm logged in. I okay. haven't had any clips because okay. it's been so three weeks coming. since the last race. So okay. tomorrow
2: you'll see them. So, how do you follow us on TikTok? I guess you click the link in the show notes. We'll, I'm we'll sure Matt will put, a link, we'll put a link in the show. Link in the notes. Show notes. Yeah. Go into, go onto your TikTok app and search for Missed Apex F1. Well, there you go. That'll do. I know you're not a generally negative person. You're full of <laughs> sunshine and moonbeams. But who would get your Missed Apex award this weekend?
4: I've, I felt yeah. really confident in mine. Now I'm worried it might be a bit harsh. But um,
2: for me, it's science. Hey? Just because I was, I was really underwhelmed by him today. Yeah, I, well, this is it, and I think people will go. Well, he finished third, yeah, but he really was a long way off mm. off the pace, and he's been a long way off uh, uh, Leclerc. I I don't want to really judge him on this season. It almost feels like one data point. Like this car, this regulation set, it's not suiting him. He's got a contract for next year. I think it is still possible that they get out of the blocks next season, and and that he will challenge because once Leclerc was the title challenger. You have to think Ferrari shifted their focus to him,
4: he had such yeah. a rough start to this year, yeah, and it took him a while to come back from that. so I think if he if he comes out the blocks uh, you know, fast next next year, um, mm. we could we could have a
2: very different story.: My missed apex ward goes to Aston Martin, who have been reported to have slightly exceeded the budget cap. What did they spend it on? <laughs> We will be definitely back for the Japanese Grand Prix race review. Please tune in. I always look forward to Suzuka. I think, Kyle, one of your favourite tracks as well?
5: It is indeed. I've actually been there and I love the place and the fans. It is awesome. If you have the chance and you're in that part of the world, go to Suzuka. It's one of the best fan experiences you can have for Formula 1.
2: Chris, is it right that it was (laughs) a test track? It was built as a test Ah, track, yes, for uh,
4: Honda, I think. Or, yeah, correct yeah it say, was honda. It, say it with confidence
2: no one will
3: research this <laughs> well,
4: what what i love about suzuka is that because it's the earliest race of the
2: season it gives us the
3: entire day to have arguments before the show comes on
2: and <laughs> there you go good point matt
3: so there could be no possible truth at all since it was built as a test track for honda that red bull <laughs> purposefully tanked max's qualifying so that he'd win the championship mm. there instead
2: Ooh, I love me a good conspiracy theory. We may hook up a midweek show of some sort. The only way you'll really know is if you subscribe to us by clicking like and subscribe on YouTube uh, or making sure you subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and follow us on Twitter um, at Miss Apex F1 or me, Spanners Ready. I'm the best one at Spanners Ready. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Search for Spanners or Richard Ready on Facebook. If you'd like to be friends... Which I hope we will be. Wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Mr. Apex Podcast. Drake Hour.
0: Hold up.